Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. The title for this morning's message is once again following God's presence in 2022. We started with that thought last week uh, and uh, spoke about how God's presence traveled with the Israelites uh, as God led them out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, out of slavery, through the wilderness and on into the promised land. Um, and we've said that our present world has also become a bit of a wilderness. In fact, quite a wilderness, really. When you say wilderness, it's in every respect, a wilderness politically, a wilderness uh, uh, economically, a wilderness socially. There's a lot of stuff going down. A wilderness medically, it's just gone all haywire and all wild. Um, and there is now a definite strong need for us to follow the presence of God into 2000. And 22, uh, to be led by His Spirit so we can be in the center of God's perfect will uh, and we can be safe and secure in our salvation. Uh, we started out in Joshua chapter 3, uh, and here in verse 3, let me reread that passage again. Joshua said to the people, says, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, you shall set out from your place and go after it. Everybody say, go after it. And do not come near it, he said, uh, that you may know the way by, by which you must go. And uh, he says, for he have not, you have not passed this way before. We said that the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God that was with them. Um, and Joshua said, when you see the Ark moving and the priests who are carrying it, he says, go after it. And in many respects, we bring that over into our present lives today. And we're following the presence of God this year. And we're also following the leaders who are carrying it. Not every leader carries the presence of God, uh, but some do. Uh, and so we are absolutely going after that. And, uh, you know, we've said that uh, the year 2022 is really uncharted territory. Uh, with everything that's going on, Joshua said, you have not passed this way before. And we've never been at the beginning of the year where so much is at stake. We have not passed this way before. But God's got an answer. God's got a solution for every situation. And we're looking to God this year. And in fact, uh, last week I uh, <laughs> said to the guys, before you upload the message on the tube, just sanitize it a little bit. Uh, I said a few things last week with the filters off that is good for the house. Um, but not necessarily good for the World Wide Web. Um, and, uh, you know, that means if you're in the house, you get the uncut version. That's what that means. And I'm glad you're here again this morning. So we're going to launch out. But, uh, you know, we have not passed this way before. There is a lot going on. And uh, by now, uh, many, many, I'm talking millions of people know that the pandemic that they're talking to us about is a fake pandemic. And they've offered a fake solution. Um, and, uh, you know, governments around the world are bearing down on the people, on the population, and actually oppressing the people. Uh, and there's incredible stuff going on, much that is not reported in the mainstream media, which is a whole other issue. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, they're not reporting that in places around the world, there's hundreds of thousands of people marching 
and protesting and some of the governments are beginning to listen now and some of them are caving into the pressure of the people. So it's thing it's all about pressure. Government putting pressure on the people, we're putting pressure back, we're putting pressure back in the area of prayer. We're putting pressure back by standing up and for speaking out and to 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 speak truth and to expose the lies and deception that we've heard for the last two years, and, and uh, you know, there's now a new religion in the land. It's called COVID rules, and everybody's expected to bow down and to worship. And uh, I've said last year, I says, I don't want to play this game anymore. Uh, it's a stupid game. I don't want to play it anymore. You know, I'm reminded that one of the prime ministers, one of the recent prime ministers of Israel, uh, some years ago, he said, we bow down to no one except to Jehovah. All right, it says we bow down to no one except Jehovah. And I think that's a good statement. That's a good saying that we bow down to God and to God only. We do what we need to do. Uh, we obey the laws of the land where they're righteous laws and where they're good laws. But with some of the other stuff, as I say, uh, I'm done with it. Anyway, this morning I want to continue in the thoughts of what we started last week and really translate uh, some of those happenings of the Israelites coming out of Egypt into our Christian life today and to really speak about some more of the, the personal issues that we're facing. Um, and uh, I want to start by again uh, pointing out that Joshua uh, was appointed by God to lead the people of God out of the wilderness where they had wandered around for 40 years, 40 years, on a trip that should have taken three weeks, 40 years, they're getting ready to come in. And Joshua led him over uh, the Jordan River, and they're now in the promised land. And here in in uh, Joshua 11, verse 23, it says, So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to, the is to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. And then the land rested from war. And so I've just read through the whole book of Joshua again, 24 chapters. What an inspiring story. What an amazing leader. Uh, what what uh, victories that they won, impossible situations that they faced. But because God was fighting for them, God was fighting with them. You know, the battle became the Lord's and the people just had to obey God and follow along. And uh, so, you know, the, the, the story of Joshua, the book of Joshua is one of coming across the Jordan River into the promised land. And then it's about cities and villages, geography, Kings that had to be fought, and their armies brought down, and wiping out everything and everybody. Uh, and I'll touch on some of that later on as to why that was necessary. And in order for them to move forward and to take more ground, and God says, I will bring these people before you, he says, and you will wipe them out. Uh, and uh, that's an incredible story. And there was battle after battle and war after war until they came to the place where most of the land had been cleared out. Um, and where they were able to settle down, live in the cities that they had not built, uh, you know, enjoy the fruit of the vineyards that they had not planted, and, you know, reap the fields, uh, and, and so forth. And uh, really, in many respects, uh, uh, we see a correlation between them coming into their promised land, and for us, when we get saved, we're crossing over the Jordan River, so to speak, and we're in our promised land. You know, the Christian life is our promised land. All right, and there are many correlations, some uh, of which I would like to um, sort of point to as we go along in our message here today. But I was just looking at the life of Moses 
and the life of Joshua, two major leaders. I'm talking amazing leadership, amazing character, amazing strength in the lives of these men, and the lazy, amazing teams around them that supported them so that they could all do what God had called them to do. You know, Moses was anointed to deliver, uh, to deliver God's people from slavery and lead them out of Egypt. To deal with that, uh, with that Pharaoh that had oppressed God's people and to lead the people out. But Joshua was anointed to lead God's people into the promised land and to allocate to them uh, the portions that fell to them by lot. There were 12 tribes that cut the land up into 12 areas. Well, 11 actually. Uh, the Levites were not given any lands per se. They were given cities and some of the common lands around it uh, uh, and so forth. And, and, but then he said, look, he says, we've got to go up there and we've got to deal to the people that live up there. Um, Moses let the people out of and Joshua let the people in too. There was an out of and an into. Out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. And into the promised land, that's a type of the Christian life. Um, and you know, we need leaders today with both anointings. You know, typically evangelists, if we look at the lives of an evangelist and the ministry that they fulfill, they lead the people out of a life of sin and lead them to Christ. But then typically it's the pastors that lead the people into their inheritance that they have in Christ through teaching and preaching and discipling people. How do you know that people commit their life to Christ and think, oh, I finally arrived. Where have I been all of this time? Well, no, you haven't arrived. You've only just started. All right? And from thereafter, we move on in our Christian life, and there's all of these promises to come to pass in our lives. There's all of these things that God wants us to enjoy, and yet all of these responsibilities that we are to fulfill. It is a good starting point, but it definitely is a start. Colossians 1.13, just to bear out what we're saying, uh, in the Living Bible, it says that God had rescued us out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son who, brought, uh, who bought our freedom with his blood and forgave us all of our sins. There are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness where Satan rules. There's the kingdom of light where Jesus Christ rules. People are either in one or the other. There is no middle ground. People say, I'm somewhere in the middle. Can't be. You're either in one or you're in the other because there's only two kingdoms. All right? And for everybody that's listening to this message here today, let me encourage you today to really analyze which kingdom that you're in because only people that are in the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of light will ultimately go to heaven. All right? And everybody else, you know, it's like nowadays we don't hear much preaching about, uh, you know, hell and about place of punishment and so forth, but hell is still a real place, even though the, the liberal theologians have tried to explain it away, but it's still a real place. And heaven is a real place. And there is no third destination. It's either one or the other. All right? So Jesus Christ paid the price for us to be rescued out of Satan's kingdom and be brought into the kingdom of light. And then Joshua, as we look at that journey that crossed over the Jordan River, it was a miracle that took place. It's like two miracles. Uh, God did a miracle under the leadership of Moses by parting the Red Sea. And now God does a miracle under the leadership of Joshua to kind of stop the waters of the Jordan so that they were able to go across on dry land. And now they're in the promised land. But hey, there's just a city around the corner. Its name is Jericho, and that is the gateway 
to the promised land. If you can't take Jericho, you can't have the promised land. You're in it, but you can't have it. All right? And so there's kind of a deal where it says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went in and none went out. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty man of valor. All right? All the warriors inside, all the people, I've given it to you. It's yours, but, but you've got to go out there. All right? It's like I've given you the lamb, but you've got to deal to the enemies. You've got to deal to the occupants uh, who are, uh, in many respects, a hybrid breed of half demons and half human beings. Uh, just an incredible story when we look at the Word of God and find out what that was all about. So they crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, but Jericho is basically the, the gateway. If you can't deal to Jericho, you can't deal with the rest of it. And if you, if you try to deal with the rest of it and Jericho is still there, they're going to come after you. And you've got enemies in front of you and you've got enemies behind you. And that's not a good situation in anybody's books. Anybody that understands warfare, you don't want to fight too many battles, you know, front and back because they want to deal with one battle at a time. And, uh, you know, many Christians are inside their promised land, but they have not defeated their Jericho. There's a Jericho for every Christian to deal with. It's a personal Jericho. It could be a family Jericho. It could be whatever it is, but it has to be dealt with. And in, in verse 3, uh, God speaks to Joshua. Um, and then Joshua goes on and speaks to all the officers, and they speak to the people, and then up they go. He says, you shall march around the city, all you men of war, and you shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. Please note the precise instructions. All right? Walk around it once. Day, second day, same thing. Do that for six days, he says. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And um, in fact, I got a trumpet upstairs. I was going to bring it down and blow it just to give you an understanding of what that sounds like. The problem is it doesn't work every time. And if I get, get a little, you know, if it doesn't work properly, I embarrass myself. Uh, uh, but if it works well, uh, uh, you know, everybody in this place, you will feel a vibration and it's got a, just an awesome sound to it. But anyway, we're not going to do this today. Uh, you just got to imagine the blast of the trumpet. All right. It says, and it shall come to pass when they make... Uh, in fact, let me back up. It says, And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him, and then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests, and he said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. They're about to, to, to turn up at Jericho to go against it, but it is a walled city. They can't get in. There, there's walls around it. Uh, and, uh, and many of those towns and, and, and cities in those days, they were walled and there were strong walls and thick walls with strong gates and everything else. But they carried the presence of God into battle against Jericho. I told the priests, you guys, pick the Ark of the Covenant up. Carry the presence of God. In this instance, they sent seven priests out front. Not eight, not six. God says seven. 
each one of them carrying a trumpet, and blast that trumpet as you go, just blow it and blow it. But he instructed everybody else and said, don't say a word. Keep very quiet until the seventh day, that on the seventh time of walking around, you shall shout with a great shout. And if you do, he says, the walls will come down. And that's exactly what happened. Just an amazing story. And as I was reading through it, and I was reading through it again, I said, this is another miracle that took place. There's nothing natural about those walls falling down. They could not make enough noise in the natural to cause those walls to fight, vibrate and, uh, and to kind of, you know, crumble down. It was absolutely a supernatural deal of God. But here's what's happened. It was their complete obedience to God's instructions that caused the, caused the walls of the city to come down. God says, walk around it. Send the priests with the trumpet on ahead. Carry the presence of God. They also sent the warriors uh, around and so forth. And they were there and all the people walking around it and they followed the instructions to a T. Joshua said, don't say a word. Don't anybody speak any word of doubt. And unbelief. Don't walk around saying, oh, these walls are tall. Oh, these walls are thick. Don't say a, a single word. But on the seventh day, when you walk around the seventh time, shout with a great shout. You see, they had to shout the victory before they could experience the victory. And for those of us that understand the need to walk by faith and not by sight, we shout the victory before we see the victory, before we experience it. And that's exactly what happened uh, God told them then to completely destroy the city and all living beings in it. Uh, uh, there was only one family that survived. For those of you that know the story, there was Rahab, uh, the woman uh, that had hidden the spies that had gone in earlier, um, and she made, uh, you made them promise, entered into a covenant, them, a covenant with them that she was going to survive her parents and her brothers and so forth, but everybody else wiped out, every living being wiped them out, uh, God said, um, and then he says, uh, all the stuff, burn it to the ground. Only take the gold and the silver and the vessels of bronze and bring that into the treasury of the Lord. You know, it's been said that Jericho, which was at the front end of the promised land with all of the promised land behind it, represented the tithe of the whole land. And uh, so it was. God says, all the gold that you find in there, all the silver, all the vessels of bronze, which is kind of valuable, uh, but everything else, burn it, wipe it to the ground. In fact, when they finished the job, um, Joshua placed a curse on this place that whoever uh, tries to rebuild this city, he, he will rebuild it with the death of his firstborn, uh, lay the foundation with the death of his firstborn, and he says he will finish the gates with the death of his youngest. And later on in the Old Testament, we read that's exactly what's happened. So it's amazing how words are powerful. That's why I said last week when some of the things that some of us have been speaking of late, they are words, all right? Uh, and once the power of God gets loose on those words and the spiritual forces, you know, the angels come into, in, into activity, as I say, it's amazing what can happen. And so, yeah, so that was the tithe. And my friend, if uh, your Jericho is the tithe that you've try to sort of skirt around and get to the rest of the Christian life, you're, you're trying to break a principle here. The tithe belongs to the Lord. We honor God with the tithe. And what did one guy do? Achan was his name. He took some of the silver. He took some of the Babylonian clothing and everything, and he hid it in his tent. He stole from the Lord. 
and he hid it in his tent. And when they finished with Jericho and they went on to Ai, which was the next town, that was just going to be not, not any walls there, that was just going to be a pushover, like send up a couple of thousand people and, and wipe out there. Not that many people were. This time they couldn't win the battle. They lost the battle because they had a thief in their midst. And the amazing thing was one man robbed from God and it affected the whole assembly. Amazing. Just amazing, really. In fact, I'd encourage you, if you haven't got a Bible reading plan on the go right now, read through the book of Joshua. It's just a wonderful and a fantastic story. Uh, Joshua chapter 6, verse 19, it says, But all the silver and the gold, the vessels of bronze and the iron, are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And that represented the tithe, the first and the best. God says when you get into other cities, all the stuff, all the loot, you can keep the lot. But this one here, God says, that comes into the house of the Lord. And so they dealt with Jericho, and then they turned their sights on the rest of the land. And friend, if there's two things that I can encourage you in, uh, it's total obedience uh, in our lives that causes our Jericho, to, the, those walls to come down, and in order for us to deal with whatever we need to deal with, and then we move on into the rest of the land. And that brings me to the third point. Uh, when they moved on, they, they realized, and of course the spies had already told them that there were giants in the land. We're just think, think, singing about, you know, taking down giants in our songs this morning. You know, these giants were real giants. Um, and uh, let me show you here in Deuteronomy chapter 31, uh, verse 3. This is still Moses speaking. He says, the Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy those nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. And Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord had said. So the land was given to them by God. God says, I will give you land flowing with milk and honey while they were still in slavery in the house of Egypt, uh, which is a type of the world, so to speak. God says, I've got a land for you. He says, uh, and then of course he sent Joshua uh, to deal with Pharaoh, to instruct the people to get ready. And uh, just a wonderful story how they celebrated Passover, which is representative of, of the Lamb of God, of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, shedding his, his blood, and then they came out. Um, and, of course, Joshua leads them into the promised land. Let's talk a little bit about giants. Um, you know, giants were a hybrid race of half demon and half human. And they were the offspring of illegitimate uh, unions between demons and human women. And, and Hebrews, uh, should I say, Genesis chapter 6, the early part, speaks about that. Where it talks about the sons of God, which is reference to angels, but in this instance, there were fallen angels that came to the daughters of men, and they had sexual union. They, if you like, copulated together, and the offspring were giants. And the Bible tells us there that they then became the men of renown. They were big, they were strong, they were very fierce, uh, and they were very mean. Uh, no wonder. Demons are mean. So the offsprings of demons are mean, quite obviously. Um, and it's interesting uh, when the Bible speaks about in detail about some of these, uh, um, some of these demons, uh, some of these uh, giants, I should say, half demon, half human. Uh, it speaks about Goliath. Um, and Goliath was nine foot uh, and nine inches tall. So these 
these giants, they were like just amazing. They were just, in terms of their physique, they were just tall, they were strong, they were able to do superhuman things because they were, in fact, uh, a kind of a, a, a supernatural kind of a deal, although demonic, supernatural nonetheless. Um, the Bible speaks about one of the kings that they wiped down the way through uh, before they even crossed over into, uh, before the, you know, uh, across the Jordan River. It speaks about the, uh, a king by the name of Og, who was a giant. The Bible says that he had a bedstead, an iron bedstead, like he was lying on an iron bed that was 13 feet long and 6 feet across. So you imagine that monster that was lying in that bed. So they were real giants. They were real. They were half demons. And actually, what we read in Genesis chapter 6, and this is an interesting story, but God says, oh, isn't that cruel of God to wipe everybody out uh, in the flood, caused all of these people to drown, for the most part, except, uh, except Noah and his family. They were all hybrid people. The devil had come in to corrupt the seed of mankind, because back in Genesis, we're hearing that God said, he says, when he spoke to the serpent, he spoke to the devil, he says, the seed of the woman is going to come and crush your head. And the seed of the woman was, was referenced to Jesus Christ and had to come through a human being. So what, so what does the devil do? He sends uh, demon spirits to kind of intermingle with the human race to bring forth the race that was no longer purely human, and everybody that was wiped out, uh, some Bible scholars tell us, you know, in the flood, were already a hybrid type people. God says, I've got to start again. He says to Noah, Noah, build an ark. And uh, without wanting to go into the details of it, uh, there is demon spirits around today that would attempt to do the same thing today, and there's women that need deliverance from that because there is a whole world there that's not something that we would speak about on a Sunday morning, but, you know, stuff goes on um, in people's lives and they need deliverance from that where these demon spirits uh, still try to corrupt the human seed even to this very day. So amazing. Uh, and uh, and uh, they were big and strong. Some of the historians of the day, this is extra-biblical information, historical accounts that we can read. They speak of these demons. They are just of these uh, giants, half demon, half human. They were mean. They were fierce. They were big and strong. And when Goliath turned up to defy the armies of Israel, the Bible tells us that he wore a bronze helmet of bronze. Uh, and, uh, and he had a, a coat of, of, of mail on him that weighed near enough 100 kilos. And he had a spear in his hand that was like a weaver's beam. Uh, as that is old terminology. If you grew up on the farm, you will understand that, a weaver's beam. Uh, and uh, just an incredible creature. Uh, but they were all taken down by the people of God. And friends, we also have giants in our lives, whatever that giant may be. You know, for many people, fear is their giant. And they can't serve God properly because they're too afraid of this, too afraid of that. What will pe people think? What will people say? And in some instances, the people's giant is just, it's just, they're just so self-absorbed. They're in the kingdom of God. They're saved all right. But somehow they've got these giants in their lives. And yet every giant has to come down in order for us to enjoy the full inheritance of what Christ has purchased for us. Um, so here in Joshua chapter 11, verse 21. At that time, Joshua went 
and he, he destroyed the race of giants called the Anakim. So there's a whole race there. In fact, the, the land of Canaan was by and large settled with these half-demon, half-human beings, um, and it only took uh, one sexual union between a demon and a, and, a, and, a, and a human female to bring forth giants. And when these giants then interbred, there was like that whole perpetuation of that demonic nature running through, uh, you know, that whole race there. And uh, it says that Joshua went and destroyed the race of giants called the Anakim who lived in the hill country in Hebron, in Debir, in Anab, uh, and in all the hill country of Judah and Israel. Co uh, Joshua completely destroyed them and their cities. So there weren't just a few of them around. There were cities filled of these hybrid people. And that's why God said, when you go in, he says, wipe everybody out. Don't leave a single one of them alive. He says, if you do, he says, there will be irritants like irritants to your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they will forever harass you. What did they do? They wiped all of them out uh, in that area there, but they left them over in Gaza, where the Philistines lived. And we know the story with David and Goliath. There was one of the giants over there that they didn't deal to, and this giant, uh, David, that came out to defy the armies of Israel, he had five brothers, uh, so they didn't deal with them all, and exactly as God said, if you don't deal with them all, he says, they will dog you, they will harass you, and my friend, the story goes for us today as Christian people, if we don't deal with our giants when we come into our promised land, into our life with Christ, these, these giants, they will dog us, they will harass us, fear will intimidate you, depression will harass you, uh, sexual vice will not let you go. It's like these giants, they all need to come down, every single one of them. Is everybody all right this morning? Yes. Are we in the thick of it now, aren't we? We come towards the end of the message, but look, let me say that whatever that child is in your life, you want to confront this thing. You might say, well, how do I know it's a giant? Um, well, see, the other thing was that God says, if they're only little ones, you know, you can let them live with you, and, you know, it's only a little problem. People say it's only a little sin, you know. It's, it's not really that bad. It's only a little one, but, but these sins don't stay little. They will either get demolished in their lives or they grow and they grow, and next minute you got a giant on your hand. So whatever that means to you and whatever God points out in your life, and I need to deal with things that God points out in my life, but as I say, this year, let's deal with all the giants because we've got other giants that we need to take down nationally. We've got giants in the land, some of which I referred to last week, but I want to speak about our own personal lives and our own personal giants that we face, that we have in our lives, in our families, whatever they are, let's confront them. How do I know it's a, it's a giant? Uh, well, if it intimidates you, it's a giant. If fear intimidates you, it's a giant. So whatever intimidates you, whatever causes you to submit and to cower down. It's interesting, when Goliath came out and um, uh, jumping a few, a few hundred years forward, and here is David and uh, uh, the shepherd's boy, and Saul is now the first king. And they, they got the Philistines that rocked up in front of them to kind of harass them once again. So on one mountain, you got the Philistines. On the other side, you got the armies of Israel under the leadership of Saul with a great big valley in between them. And every day for 40 days, 
this uh, champion of the Philistines came down. His name was Goliath. He was a giant. Nine, uh, nine feet and, uh, and nine inches tall. So it was like a monster, this guy. And he came down. He started to curse and swear. And he, started, he says, come on, send me a man that we can fight. He says, if he kills me, we're going to submit and serve you. He says, but if I kill him, then you're all going to submit and serve us. And he did this for 40 days, morning and evening. You know, these giants, they will confront you in the morning and try to intimidate you to mess up your whole day. And then they confront you in the evening before you go to sleep so you dream about them all night. <laughs> okay? So it's time to confront them and to take them down. Because all the people were afraid. Oh, no, he's a champion. And, you know, Saul, the leader, was afraid. The army, the people were afraid. And along comes young David, the shepherd's boy. And uh, his father had sent him down to bring down some food to the, the three older boys that were in Saul's army um, and to go and bring some food to their captain. And, and just as soon as David arrives, this Goliath presented himself yet once again. And David is listening. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he's defying the army of the Lord? You know, the first thing, that David said when he spoke about this guy, he's uncircumcised. That means he's got no covenant with God. We, we are the circumcised. We have a covenant with God. He says, he says, somebody needs to take him down. So anyway, long story short, they take David to Saul. In the meantime, his brothers are abusing him. He says, oh, you're just selfish. You know, you're, you, know you should have been left with the sheep. But, but yet God had a plan for that young man. And he was a courageous young man. And he knew his covenant. Um, and so they take the boy uh, to Saul, who was the king at the time. And, and, and Saul says, he says, you can't fight this giant out there. He says, yes, I can. He says, because when I've looked after my father's sheep and a lion has come to steal one of the lambs, he says, I've gone after it. I caught it by its beard and I slew it and I took the lamb back again. And if a bear had come out, I did exactly the same thing. He says, and what I've done to the lions or the bears, I'm going to do to this uncircumcised Philistine. I'm going to take his head off. You know, here's faith speaking. Now, this, this guy's a faith guy. He's a covenant man. He knows his covenant with God. You know, to, you, the supernatural power of God had come on young David before, but, you know, you can't take on a lion with your bare hands. You just can't do it. And so, so he already had, he was already used to, you know, the power of God flowing on him and in him and through him. And so anyway, Saul said, look, he says, you've got to get into my armor. And, and David put it on. He said, it's too big. I haven't tested this. So he ran out there to the brook. Uh, he picked up five sm smooth stones, and he had a sling with him. And with a little shepherd's bag, he goes out on the battlefield to confront uh, this, uh, this giant of a man. And, you know, sometimes, and like the guy is just abusing him. He says, am I a dog? He says, he come out against me with sticks and with stones. He says, am I a dog? Uh, and he says, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. And anyway, he's in his full armor. He's got his spear. He's got a, another guy carrying his shield. And uh, David says to him, he says, you come against me. He says, with a weapon, with spears, with a javelin, and with, with the armor. He says, I come against you in the name of the Lord. He says, I'm going to take your head off of you, and I'm going to feed your body to the birds. <laughs> you know, that's the way to confront giants. Do not be intimidated. Don't be intimidated by you, the child in your life. He needs to be brought down. Let's bring him down. Whatever that child is, let's bring it down this year. Uh, 
and let's fight the battle and let's set aside some bigger battles. We've got a whole nation here that's under the control of half demons and of half human beings. You know, we've got big giants in this lane, but let's deal with our own personal giants before we deal with all of these ones. They're all coming down this year. This nation belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. I better not say any more, otherwise we'll have to sanitize the message again. <laughs> Hallelujah. So again, um, none of the Anakim, verse 22 of Joshua 11, were left in the land of Israel. A few, however, were left in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. And of course, that's where Goliath came from later on. He says, um, Joshua captured the whole land as the Lord had commanded Moses, and Joshua gave it to the Israelites as their own and divided it into their portions, each one, uh, or rather one for each tribe, so the people rested from war. So let me finish with that thought that before they could occupy the land and possess the whole land, they had to deal with their Jericho, then they had to deal with all the giants one by one, city after city after city, in order to occupy the whole land and enjoy it and to have peace. And sometimes people struggle and wrestle with their Jericho, never defeated. Uh, and it is obedience to God and obedience to his word that deals with that uh, Jericho in our lives. And then we deal with all the giants as God brings these uh, giants before us. We slay them because we're all giant slayers. Let's just pray. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.